Welcome, fearless listeners, to Thrive and Aligned Healing, the podcast, where two renegades are on a mission to shake up the systems, blending the wisdom of a naturopathic doctor and the expertise of a mental performance coach. That's right. We're here to dive deep into the realms of mindset, the body, and the powerful connection between the mind and body. Get ready to explore unconventional approaches, challenge conventional thinking, and embark on a journey towards holistic well-being. I'm Carmen Jones, naturopathic doctor and advocate for unleashing the body's innate healing powers. And joining me is the incredible Kimberly Jarman, mental performance coach extraordinaire, armed with strategies to optimize your mind for peak performance. Together, we're breaking down barriers and bridging the gap between the physical and mental realms. Whether you're seeking to enhance your performance, overcome obstacles, or simply thrive in every aspect of your life, this is the podcast for you. So buckle up, because we're about to challenge the status quo, question the norms, and guide you on a journey towards a life of alignment, resilience, and ultimate vitality. Thriving Aligned Healing is not just a podcast, guys. It's a movement. Get ready to transform your mindset, unlock your body's potential, and embark on a revolutionary path to holistic well-being. Hi friends, welcome back to our Thrive and Aligned Healing podcast. This is episode 158. And today uh, we're gonna talk about nicotine and the role of nicotine in our body. Um, so uh, I wanted to set a little bit of groundwork because um, a lot of us are very familiar with nicotine in regards to tobacco, smoking, um, dipping e-cigarettes vaping all of that um is usually our experience or our knowledge around nicotine um and there's actually nicotine is actually what we call a plant alkaloid um that's found in plants it's the highest concentration in tobacco plants um but we have nicotine in um, a lot of our nightshades like peppers tomatoes cauliflower potatoes um, so a lot of us are having nicotine, um, for getting those vegetables in on a regular basis. Um, even if we're not smokers. And so I wanted to explore a little bit about this idea of what nicotine actually does in our body, because in some areas, um, in different parts of medicine, we're using nicotine uh, to address certain conditions. Um, and I'm going to go into that as well. So what does nicotine actually do? Um, so nicotine is actually related to something called nicotinic acid, um, that our body can create from niacin, which is B3. Okay. Um, again, nicotine is naturally found right in, uh, in plants in um, the natural occurring world. Uh, but the way that it acts on our body is a little bit unique. And that we naturally have something called nicotinic receptors in all of our cells. Um, and those nicotinic receptors um, can do multiple things. They um, are, they're in the, those nicotinic receptors um, are in the pathway for our neurotransmitters, like our dopamine, serotonin, epinephrine, norepinephrine, um, endorphins. They're in the pathway of our, what we call the neuromuscular junctions. So, um, our muscle contractions are, um, signaling to our muscles. Um, they're also in that, um, pathway, uh, to our adrenals. 
and how our body produces or releases, not produces, but releases our cortisol hormone. And so when we have nicotine um, or when we have nicotine that's floating around in our bloodstream, it actually stimulates those receptors. Um, so that promotes a, a release of uh, those different chemical signals. So if you think of um, our... If you think of our signaling and our neurons um, system is the way they always describe is they always describe it as this, um, this, what we call the synapse and the, the cleft, no, the synaptic cleft, which is essentially like the, where the um, chemicals sit um, and they have to be released into this like valley before they can be absorbed into the next um uh, part of the neuron in order to like produce actual signaling, right? So if you think of it kind of like, um, a set of dominoes, right? Something has to push over that first domino in order for the whole reaction to occur. So, um, those neurochemicals, the dopamine, the serotonin can be floating, um, in this neuron. And until they're stimulated, they're not released into like that cleft, that first domino isn't pushed over. Well, so nicotine, when it binds to these receptors, it's, it, something that we call an agonist, which means it stimulates things. So it pushes over that domino. So it actually helps us to release dopamine quicker, serotonin quicker, those endorphins quicker. So um, oftentimes we can see that relationship of um, nicotine improve relaxation, improve um, our memory, um, help us feel better, right? Um, a lot of the... So there is a lot of research out there that um, creates that connection between nicotine use in the form of tobacco and um, how it stimulates our dopamine receptors, which is that reward molecule we're always talking about. So the um, thought, the theory is that uh, the more nicotine somebody uses in smoking form, they're going to become more addicted to it because of um, that dopamine cycle, right? Um, and I'm going to challenge that because there's actually research that shows us that nicotine itself as that plant alkaloid is not addictive. Um, it's actually in tobacco, in the tobacco products you find conventionally, there are other additives um, specifically the, something called pyrazine that is the uh, component that creates that addictive behavior. Um, because nicotine, when it stimulates the, those nicotinic receptors, it releases not just dopamine, but it's also releasing serotonin. It's also releasing um, that endorphins and that norepinephrine, epinephrine, and those are not addictive, right? Um, the historical use of tobacco plants um is uh originally from south america and so we usually um see the historical use within indigenous cultures in south america and i can't remember the other country but um from south america is how it moved to the u.s and europe um and it went from a ceremonial use um within indig indigenous cultures to more of a recreational use and then they started right <coughs> making the products online or making the products available um, with added preservatives and additives, um, which you can kind of follow that trail to see like those, those addictive properties. But um, 
that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is um, the how nicotine um, really uh, stimulates the release of those neurotransmitters. So we've talked about like how our body uh, uh, makes those neurotransmitters, but if you increase the access of um, nicotine into the body, we can actually stimulate that release. Well, um, so they've taken this a little bit step further because if we're releasing um, more dopamine, we're releasing more serotonin, right? We're good. That's going to help with mood. That's going to help with us feeling better. Um, if we release, um, more things like our endorphins, right? That helps to reduce pain. Um, that also makes us feel better. Um, if nicotine is also helpful for the adrenals, um, in, um, releasing, um, appropriate amounts of that cortisol, um, instead of like those spikes that we've talked about in the past, uh, related to stress, um, then it can also, yeah, kind of have a little bit more of like a, um, uh, calming effect, but also a little bit more like, um, uh, sympathetic effect. Uh, and the reason why, um, I bring that up is because some of the studies that they've done, um, looking at the use of nicotine from a therapeutic perspective um, um, has been around like uh, positive use or so yeah uses for like Alzheimer's and dementia um, because if we are uh, supporting the um, neurochemicals in the brain, um, we're helping with memory. Um, one of the studies looked at how nicotine acts on our amygdala, um, and like our hippocampus. And so we, uh, our amygdala is often with that primal brain, right? Like that, like place of, um, survival, place of, uh, fear. So, uh, if we're using nicotine to, um, support that amygdala instead of stimulating it, uh, it can actually act, act as what we call an antagonist, which means it kind of turns it off or inhibits it. Um, then we uh, can have better results with memory, with cognitive function. So um, there've been several studies that have looked at uh, how the use of nicotine has been uh, beneficial for people with Alzheimer's, people with Parkinson's, people with dementia, even ADD and ADHD. Um, and it's a very interesting idea. Um, that's a little, that, um, that I wanted to share because we're so used of like Nic uh, nicotine being villainized, right? Like within the tobacco industry. Um, and so when, oh, I was gonna say they also, um, showed it to be helpful for even for schizophrenia, right? Like that's a serotonin. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, schizophrenia is a serotonin um, dysfunction. It's usually an excess. Yeah. Um, of serotonin. So when we're, we can use things um, um, and like this knowledge and this idea of nicotine and how we can get it in our foods, right. Um, as that natural plant alkaloid or yeah. Um, in other forms outside of uh, smoking in the tobacco industry, um, we can promote our brain health. So they also, so not only does that nicotine um, help to 
support that signaling or that like releasing of those neurochemicals to go and um, start that domino um, cascade uh, within the brain, but it also helps with what we call the neuromuscular junctions. So um, our muscles have electrical activity, right, as well. Um, so that's signaling from our brain that sends it to the muscles that says, it's acetylcholine that says, hey, we need to contract that muscle. We need to, yeah, um, move your hand off that stove. Um, uh, we can see nicotine actually enhance that cascade in that relationship as well. So there's a couple of studies where they looked at athletes um, and their use, not their use, but um, giving them nicotine gum, two milligrams of nicotine gum, um, half an hour to an hour before their performance. They looked at two different, um, two different studies, looked at sets of archery, um, collegiate archers, uh, male collegiate archers. And then the other study looked at baseball players, male, male baseball players. All of them were non-smokers, right? So they didn't have, we weren't used to having nicotine in their body. Um, and what they wanted to do is they were trying to evaluate, uh, their, um, cognitive function, like how fast their reflexes were, um, in the archery scenario and in the baseball scenario. Um, they were also looking to see how, um, their, um, strength, like if their, um, muscles responded faster. Um, and they also looked at things like their HRV, um, and their sympathetic response. And, what they found is that um, when they chewed two milligrams of the nicotine gum uh, before their, so they did a before and after, pre and post, um, before their assessment that they found overall the archers had increased cognitive function and they did notice a significant change in their sympathetic um, response. So uh, they measured that with HRV, heart rate, um, and I think blood pressure. Um, so was the sympathetic response increased or decreased? So the sympathetic response was increased, um, which showed that like things like the HRV was decreased. Yeah. Um, the, they also measured um, levels of testosterone to see if they, the, they wanted to see if nicotine also improves their testosterone in that short amount of time within that, that half an hour and the half an hour after assessment, they didn't see a change there. Um, but because of the nicotine's role in how it stimulates the cortisol response, the, the release of that cortisol, that's how it yeah helps to increase that, um, sympathetic response. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then in the, uh, baseball pl players, they found that it still helped to improve their cognitive function, but it also enhanced their motor reaction time, right? Like how quick they were to, yeah, um, swing and to, yeah, uh, hit the ball, um, in their assessment. And so I thought that was really interesting because I, it wasn't even on my radar, right? I wanted to, the reason why I started looking to it is because I wanted to see, are we using nicotine therapeutically um, in uh, in medicine? Because um, we're always talking about smoking cessation, 
right? But when you look at um, that, actually the addictive factors, it's not the nicotine, it's not the tobacco, it's what they're mixing with it um, that they put in cigarettes, that they put in um, tobacco products. And so nicotine by itself is not this um, negative component, right? It's naturally occurring in nature and it can actually um, stimulate a lot of positive things for our body. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting when they were looking at um, it, using it to support memory. So some of these, oh, this is, so one of the first papers that I pulled was actually a review paper from 2002, but they were looking at studies um, in 97 and 98 that was looking at um, the benefits of transdermal nicotine patches on Alzheimer's Alzheimer's, schizophrenia, and um, ADHD patients. Yeah, um, and they were found found they found um, that that memory performance and attention improved um, with several of the studies when they looked at the different reviews of um, they, like there's one uh, paper where they took um, folks living in a long term care facility. Uh, who'd been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and they put transdermal nicotine patches on them to see, you know, how things would change. Um, and they noticed when they did the many mental status exams with them, that they did see uh, a significant improvement um, with their memory just by increasing uh, their exposure to nicotine. And they had already been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Yeah. Um, so they weren't using this as a preventative. They were trying to see, okay, well, can we do this as a, as a treatment? Yeah. Um, for memory dysfunction. Yeah. So, um, I just, I was really excited at the prospect of, um, how nicotine can help to kind of support our body. Now, um, there are a lot of different forms. I'm always going to be, you know, like from the food as medicine perspective, like, Yes, let's increase our cauliflower, our green tomatoes, our potatoes, and our eggplants. Um, now, if you'll notice, those are all within the nightshade family. So there are a group of people, um, like with autoimmune conditions, where nightshades are not recommended. Um, but the, for other folks who don't have concerns with nightshades, those are a great way we can get um, some nicotine, uh, plant that plant alkaloid in our um, in our diet uh, to help. Um, we do, so the transdermal patches for nicotine and the nicotine gum, um, doesn't have the peroxines, um, that's spelled P-Y-R-A-X-I-N-E, um, doesn't have that additive in it, um, that they put in cigarettes, that they put in, um, other tobacco products. So we don't see people having cravings or like addictive reactions to um just like nicotine by itself right um so this all um this kind of rabbit trail that i started on kind of came about when i had um one of my colleagues started using um nicotine replacement therapies what they call the transdermal patches um for her long covid patients because um, there was two papers that came out that talked about how um, the COVID spike proteins not only attach to the ACE receptors, which we've talked a lot about in the past, um, but also these acetylcholine receptors. And those acetylcholine receptors are the same as what I'm describing, the nicotinic acetylcholine receptors. Um, so those are 
within our, you know, already on every cell. Um, and what they were doing is that they were trying to stimulate ways to um, flood the system with this plant alkaloid, with nicotine, um, so that the, the theory is that so the spike proteins would um, essentially fall out of those receptors, right? Because one of the leading causes or symptoms of long COVID, whether people recognize it or not, is is fatigue. It's fatigue and brain fog. Um, they're seeing that across the board. Um, they're, I mean, like the statistics are a little bit crazy, but um, they're estimating that one in three people um, are experiencing brain fog and fatigue from long COVID. Um, and it just, that was like the last thing that we never, like that never really resolved. And they're not calling it long COVID, but it's like, oh, I've just been tired and fatigued ever since then. And so that was, um, uh, one of the theories in trying to address that as well. If we can flush the body with nicotine, um, which is naturally occurring and we know, um, the body can benefit from it. Uh, can we remove or kind of outweigh, yeah, um, that attachment of the spike proteins to help the body actually finally, you know, flush that out, get rid of them and, and um, move to a place where we don't suffer from fatigue and, and, and brain fog. So. so have you applied this to any of your patients? So I have. So I have a couple of folks um, that I've started on a, um, uh, a nicotine protocol. Um, I just a handful of them. Um, and I started them with, they're, they're kind of like my toughest cases, right? So I have actually four people who are using nicotine right now. And, um, one, only one of them is doing the transdermal patch. The other three are doing the gum. And, um, we, we started with the gum because it's lower dosage, right? Um, and, because um, we could do two, we could manipulate it a little bit more because the gum comes in two milligram um, or four milligram doses uh, per piece. And the patches, the lowest step that we use is the 14, right? So, it, seven. oh, seven, seven, because it comes 21, 14, and seven. Um, so we can get the lower dose with the gum. Because, you know, you ask somebody, hey, I have all this information and I think it would be very helpful to start a protocol like this you know, and you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to suggest that you start nicotine gum or nicotine patches. People are going to look at you a little bit like, are you sure? Like, I trust you, but I don't know if this sounds right. right? Because of everything we've been taught about nicotine and, and tobacco products. And so um, now these four cases were um, all, all COVID related. Um, two of them have um, POTS which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Um, so essentially that means that they get dizzy all the time. There's no like, it doesn't feel like there's a, a reason, any rhyme or reason to it. Um, it's not like they get dizzy when they go from seated to standing. They can be walking around in their kitchen and they get so dizzy that they yeah have to stop what they're doing. Um, with that dizziness comes like this equilibrium change, right? Like you get headaches, you get nausea with that. Um, and so it was very challenging for them to function. One of those women, um, she has three or four children. Um, she homeschools them. And so it was becoming the 
POT symptoms um, were becoming so intense that she was having challenges um, homeschooling her kids, right? Um, she had to kind of call for help. And she was very frustrated because nobody would, nobody could help her, right? So when you get diagnosed with POTS, there aren't a lot of resources um, now. And there's still a lot of conventional meds, docs that don't recognize um, that diagnosis. And so, but right now they're telling people, oh, okay, we'll take electrolytes, right? Like balance your electrolytes. Um, and that does help for a little while. So um, for both of them, I started them on nicotine. Um, so one of them, she started with the food as at first and she just, um, was trying to do the eggplant, but to be honest, if you're not a fan of eggplant, it's hard to get in eggplant every day. Um, and so she moved to the gum. Um, they have both seen improvements. So I just saw her, um, my worst case with pots. I just saw her last week when I was in Arkansas and, um, things have improved significantly. Um, she hasn't had any. Let's see, I talked to her last time I talked to her was in November um, and at the end of November. And since November, she hasn't had any episodes. Right. We started the gum like. I think it was the week after Thanksgiving. Uh, no, we started the week before Thanksgiving because um, I talked to her on the phone and then um, I met with her the week after Thanksgiving <clears throat> and she wasn't having negative side effects. So I was like, let's let's keep doing it. Um, my other gal who um, she has a hers is it has shown up as a hyperthyroid situation right um she's she gets these like periods of it's not dizziness but like this internal shakiness she feels like her body's vibrating is what how she'll describe it and she goes to the emergency room the emergency draws her blood and says you look fantastic we don't know what's the matter with you go home so i draw thyroid labs on her and her thyroids um <clears throat> ridiculously high and so but she doesn't have like the typical thyroid patterns right like we try to find the root cause so um she's only been doing the gum for about three weeks now um now she also um wears a watch that takes health statistics it is a it's not a garmin but it's another brand i can't think of the oh, other yes yeah, so she does a whoop. And so um, she's been like tracking her health data. Um, and in the three weeks that she's been on hers, um, um, nicotine gum every day, um, she's seeing improvements, right? She's not waking up in the middle of the night with this like um, internal uh, restlessness or stimuli, right? Because we had to rule out like it wasn't anxiety or anything else, um, that it's actually a physical issue. And, um, so I do have folks who are improving on using this therapy. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want yeah. to share your yeah. experience. I want to ask you a question first. Yes. Though. So have you heard of, um, albumin? Yes. Oh, as a IV and treatment for POTS, is that a conventional medicine thing? Um, I don't think so. So albumin is a type of protein. Uh, so albumin is a type of protein. Um, and we measure that in our labs. Um, I haven't used it as, or I haven't heard of it used as a uh, treatment for POTS, but um, I could see how it works similar to electrolytes is if you 
add, so albumin is a protein. If you add protein to the bloodstream, we're going to get an osmotic reaction where it's going to pull fluid into the bloodstream, right? That increases the blood volume. So we're less likely to get dizzy. Yeah. Um, or have that orthostatic issue. It's the same thing with electrolytes. If we add electrolytes to the system, we're going to bring more fluid into the bloodstream and increase that volume. So how is that going to fix the issue? Well, it doesn't get to the underlying, <laughs> it doesn't get to the underlying uh, problem of what created POTS. It's just helping to address the symptoms so that you can function without getting that dizziness. Yeah. So people, um, yeah, so they can actually function. That's... Okay, so that would be a symptom management. So potentially, yes. a you're gonna if you you're gonna have to do this for an extended. We don't really know indefinite amount of time. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm also her fourth case. Um, uh, I will. I guess I'll let you talk about my case, like you did the others with my symptoms. But yeah, we've been doing. We started with the transdermal patch in November. It was fine. I just didn't really see a lot of improvements, and then we switched over after. Because um, we cut the patches down into a fourth. So I did two weeks at a fourth at every other day. And then I did another two weeks at half. No, I think I did one week. I did one week at half a patch. And then I uh, went rogue, as I typically do. And I watched the Antidote movie. And I just went straight to the patch, the full dose patch after that week. But I don't know. It just really wasn't like I couldn't see a marked difference, right? And then we switched me over to the gum, um, which that would have been what December by then? Yeah, mid December, mid December. Yeah. And I noticed within two and a half weeks of doing two milligram gum two to three times a day, um, the fatigue was gone completely. And the social anxiety was gone. Um, I really felt like a whole new person. Basically, I felt like I hadn't been myself for two years. Like it felt like me again. Um, and that was some, that was definitely because of the nicotine gum. I mean, I did add in a couple. Like uh, I work with a guy that does muscle testing and lymphatic stuff to help support one. Um, but I know it was the gum that really created that getting rid of the fatigue and the social anxiety for me for sure. But I'll let you talk about my case like you did the other one. Sure. So thank you for sharing that. Um, with uh, your case, it was a lot of um, fatigue and brain fog and yes, that social anxiety. And um, it also manifested as um, the, uh, yeah, I was going to say is our physical symptoms, like exercise intolerance, elevated heart rate, right? Like you're an athlete. You have been your whole life, right? And there you have it. Our fearless listeners, another episode of thrive and align healing in the books. We hope you're leaving with a mind buzzing and a heart inspired. If you enjoy the wisdom shared today and want to stay connected, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Your feedback fuels our fire and helps spread the message of thriving and aligned healing.
Remember, this journey is about progress, guys, not perfection. Take the insights, implement them into your life, and watch the transformation unfold. We're always here for you, whether you're navigating the intricate dance between mind and body or just seeking a little extra inspiration. Reach out to us on social media and let's continue this conversation beyond the podcast. Until next time, my friends, keep shaking up those systems, embracing the power of mindset and fostering that incredible mind-body connection.